Curiosity is not a sin, Harry, but you should exercise caution. He's a time strand. You're fraternizing with the enemy. There's the, um, the Cruciatus curse. We'll celebrate a boy who was kind and honest and brave and true right to the very end. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We have Elizabeth back with us. <laughs> and we're doing chapter 17, The Four Champions. So this chapter is really self-contained. It's very short um, and really just gives us the aftermath of that bombshell last two words of the last chapter. God, that's such a perfect way of putting it. It is a bombshell. Yep. Everyone's reacting like it's a bombshell. Yeah. I mean, as a kid reading this, I was like, oh, that's intense. Like, let me flip the page and continue reading. I got secondhand anxiety. Like, as oh my a, gosh, poor Harry. As an adult that's thinking about this from, like, an observer, like, just trying to analyze this a little bit, I'm yeah. like, of course that's going to be it. Like, why wouldn't Harry Potter's name get pulled? <laughs> like, that's the perfect way to increase, like, you have... 300 more pages, almost. <laughs> like, of course. Of course, Harry's name is Anyway. Uh, that doesn't take away the magic of reading it through for the first time. Uh, because it is magical, and it's a page-turner of Well, she's page also turners. set it up so that you identify with Harry. You put yourself into his sure. shoes. So at the moment, you are also freaking out and noticing everyone's eyes on you and hearing the for buzzing sure. and the, the zero applause. It's very awkward. Yeah, you get that scene and then you get uh, essentially the, the room of the champions that they all congregate in. Mm-hmm. And then you get more of the aftermath with the adults, not the kids. <laughs> um, so sticking with that scene for a second, uh, obviously it surprises everyone and you catch Dumbledore in a moment of genuine surprise, which really does not happen ever. Oh, he had to do some quick thinking when he read Harry's name in the previous scene and then even thinking like what should happen next. Well, you have a, a note on McGonagall's mm-hmm. actions. I haven't always read it in this way, but I mean, McGonagall gets off of her feet and she goes past uh, Bagman, she goes back past Karkaroff and she whispers urgently to Dumbledore, who has his ear bent towards her. He's frowning slightly. Harry turns to Ron and Hermione, and he's like, You know, I didn't put my name in, and both are speechless. And then Dumbledore straightens up, he nods to McGonagall, and then he's like, Harry Potter, up here, if you please. So I think McGonagall recognized very, very quickly that this was an ugly scene. Like, there's no applause. There's the sound of angry buzzing, like angry bees. As the students start to whisper, they stand up to look at Harry, who's just frozen in place. I think she noticed that this scene could turn ugly very quickly. And if we leave Harry in the room, then the kids can start to turn on him. And that would be dangerous. So it's best to just remove him from the situation and deal with it that way. Don't just make a scene. Uh, I agree with half of that. I don't think she was concerned about the scene in the Great Hall. There's enough adults and leaders in the room to handle the kids. 
I think she was concerned about just his name being pulled out of the Goblet of Fire and what that essentially means. Mm. So I do agree that she went to Dumbledore and gave her advice on next steps and like, hey, this is a problem for X, Y, and Z. We need to do A, B, and C you know, going <laughs> forward. And and that's why I think you get the reaction that Dumbledore gets of that like frown, nod, and then, then he comes up with a plan. Like This is the first time... I can remember Dumbledore being like stumped. Done. Yeah. And him just being like, I don't have a quick answer for this. Which I think is why I take it the way I do, because I think about it in teaching terms how if there's an issue with a kid, whether it be they're crying or they're angry or they're threatening you or whatever the case may be, instead of trying to confront them in front of their peers, that escalates a lot. So the easiest thing, the best thing to do is to take them out into the hallway one-on-one or after class and just be like, look, what's going on here? Um, otherwise, everything, like, they, they want to put on a show for their other peers because no one wants to look stupid in front of their peers. So I think in this case, it's she's recognizing as a teacher the entire school is here, plus the 20 people from the other schools, plus the headmasters and, you know, important people and all eyes are on Harry, it could go really, it could go he's south a, very He's quickly. also a 14-year-old kid. Yes, and now he's noticing, like, just how small he is and how many eyes there are in the room. Yeah, he says that they're, now, I'm chalking this up to uh, hyperbole. Mm -hmm. I'm, how he feels the situation is. Mm -hmm. I'm not taking this literally. Mm -hmm. But he does get up and says that there are, he feels hundreds and hundreds of eyes upon him, which we've talked... The only reason I'm noting it is because we've talked many times about how right. many people are actually here. Right. Um, but I think this is pure hyperbole, right? This is just yeah, his anxiety extrapolating the situation to a larger-than-life situation. Because there well, obviously are hundreds and hundreds of eyes. about how, like, walking up to the front table, it seems like an hour before he's standing in front of Dumbledore. It's the anxiety that's... That's right. getting to him. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I just think McGonagall recognized, like, this is not a good situation. The best way to deal with it is to get him out of the room before we have a mob. Uh, so we get him into the extra chamber behind uh, the, the long staff table. Mm -hmm. And I really like his first realization when he gets into the room, because all three of the champions are standing by the fireplace, silhouetted against the, the flames in the fireplace. Yeah, he calls it strangely impressive. And you get, and he realizes, comes to the realization right then and there, like, they're all older, they're all taller, yeah. they're all more physically impressive. Yeah. And they're adults. They essentially. are. And you get, you know, Crumb, and Crumb's impressive in his own right, just because, again, you just saw him in the Critch World Cup. Mm -hmm. So you know his athletic potential, even though he is hunched over and doesn't really look very graceful right now. Mm -hmm. Cedric is uh, tall, good-looking, and he's just standing there, calm as can be, hands behind his back. Right. And then Floor is... Uh, Beautiful. Just gorgeous. Right. So it right then, for at least a brief second, until Floor opens her mouth a little later... Uh, He's intimidated right there. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing that snaps him out of it is like, uh, 
she thinks he's a messenger. Well, she says this little boy is too... And, and this little boy. This, this little boy is too young to compete. So those two things together snap him out of whatever, like, intimidation days he was in. And is yeah. like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, they don't get a whole lot of time to really talk it out amongst themselves. Well, yeah, because Madame Maxime and Professor Karkaroff come in and they're both angry. Which rightly so. I mean... Like, like Carcroft was saying, right? We had all these meetings and compromises, and we thought it was going to be one champion per, per, per school. Well, Where is this two coming from? Let, let me just establish this now, because we're going to have a moment here in a, in a minute or two. We're going to have a moment. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> let, let me just set the scene here. It's not just Maxine and Carcroft that are upset. Yeah, it's Everybody is upset. upset. So everybody has this tone of, what the heck just happened? Mm -hmm. Why did it happen? How did it... Like, what is going on right now? Right, and this is not acceptable. Right. No one in the room thinks this is acceptable. Right. Like, not one person, except for Ludo Bagman. I take that back. <laughs> Ludo, Ludo Bagman. <laughs> Ludo Bagman thinks it's just awesome because he's a showman, and this is great for a show. And Snape has the opportunity to say how Potter's been crossing lines ever since he's arrived here. Like, another... If you had the chance to take a jab at Harry, it, go for it. It's a very childish <laughs> remark by Snape. It's, it's Snape, though. It is. It's a very <laughs> petty. And uh, which, there's a lot that goes on mm -hmm. in this scene. And so, ultimately, it comes down to uh, Maxine and Karkaroff are accusing Harry of somehow putting his name in. And Dumbledore of messing up the age line. Uh, and uh, accusing Dumbledore of messing up the age line. Snape... Comes immediately to Dumbledore's uh, defense, and that's when he blames Harry. Right. And then you get McGonagall coming to Dumbledore's defense, and Dumbledore is like, you know, thank you, but it's possible I could have messed up. And I love McGonagall. Like, no, you didn't. You know that. Like, you fool. He's playing it very diplomatically and right. saying there's a possibility I might have screwed up. McGonagall just has no patience for fools so, like that. There's a lot of tense things happening in this room. <laughs> and there's accusations flying. A lot of them at Dumbledore specifically. Mm -hmm. So it's a very heated moment. Mm -hmm. okay? And poor Harry's still trying to process this. Now... What comes next is maybe the most hotly debated... Controversial? Not, not, not even debated. It, it's just the most hotly mentioned Harry Potter dispute between <laughs> book and movie. Uh -huh. And you get, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire, Harry? He, he asked, asked calmly. The adverb makes all of the difference in the world. As an English teacher, I appreciate this tremendously. Uh, the the term in question <laughs> is calmly, whereas in the movie you get aggressively Dumbledore coming in and shoving Harry up against a, a shelf of some sort. And uh, I will just say uh that <laughs> obviously there's no dispute in the words here and what happened in the movie i get that yeah completely here's, different here's how i'm gonna spin it for the the writers and the producers and the director is look it's a heated scene you're trying i guess to make all of the characters have all of the adult characters have the same general the same general feeling towards the the issue, which is Harry's name being put in the Goblet of Fire. No one, not Dumbledore, not Dumbledore is not in favor of Harry's name being in here. <laughs> if you go back to the actual pulling of the names, 
Dumbledore's quite pleased that Diggory got picked. He's like, ah, oh, Cedric Diggory, great. He's a great champion for... I'm expounding on what he actually said. But he's like, oh, Diggory works? Check. Right. He's not happy that, that Harry's name is pulled. Well, the so. plum boils down to how... What I'm saying is creative. Creative Creative license. by their, like, sure, okay. They're not going by the book, it but it's creative It shows such a misunderstanding of Dumbledore as a character. Because, I mean, Dumbledore, when he's looking at Harry... He said how he's, you know, he looks right back at him, tries to discern the expression of the eyes behind the half moon spectacles. And it's like he's being x-rayed in a sense of like, you know, are you telling the truth or not? Dumbledore's not the kind of person who's just going to yell accusations at someone. He's too calm and calculated for that. So I said calmly. <laughs> Dumbledore gets upset from time to time. Yeah, but he doesn't like, like fly off just... the handle. He's not a chill, mellow dude all the time. And he doesn't fly off the handle. He knows that everyone else is freaking out. So the best thing to do is go to the source, the child who is being accused of submitting his name, and ask him. And he knows Harry well enough to know he's telling the truth. For those that dislike the movies. Me! This is numero uno. <laughs> this is the prime example that people throw out there. Of them doing it wrong. And I get it. I understand it. I'm just saying... They're allowed to have creative license and just change the, the wording of one word into a, a screenplay. See, here's our difference. You give them the allowance to change things for creative license. I say, no, keep it the way it's written. Gosh darn it. You said it calmly. I'm not calm she as did I not tell say this. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Moving on. So we get the back and forth between. Uh, the two head, the three headmasters, Snape, McGonagall, which, by the way, just having Snape and McGonagall walk in with Dumbledore probably says a lot about those two individuals. Oh, 100%. Like, literally his right and left hand just walked in the room with him, mm -hmm. you know? So his two most trusted advisors. Mm -hmm. And then... I mean, Bagman and, and Crouch both say, like, you know, these are the rules. We have to follow the rules. And... But Bagman passes it off to Crouch, and Crouch is like, well, the rules state. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, Karkaroff is like, well, okay, fine, let's set it up again, let's have two more names, and have that be fair, which I get, and part of me is like, why couldn't they have done that? You know, like Here's I mean, my reasoning behind that, is because if those people were chosen by the cup, they would have been the people chosen by the cup. But I feel like, okay, if it... Like, okay, yes, you can, the cup has gone out. We can't use it until the next tournament to choose two more champions. That's hard. So I know it wouldn't necessarily be fair to the people hand-selected by Maxime or Karkaroff, but I feel like it wouldn't be that difficult to just be like, oh, let's, let's maybe, like, let's get the sorting hat. To, like, everyone put your name into the sorting hat, and the sorting hat can choose which person or... Not sure that's the, how that magic works. Stick the sorting hat. We, like, we've talked before about, like, you know, how sentient of, like, an object are they. So have have the hat sit on the head of each stu each foreign student and be like, okay, this one. It, make this one it, do it. In all, in all seriousness, though, the, the reasoning they don't want to do that, uh, Crouch... Dumbledore specifically don't want to do that is because this tournament is deadly. Right. People have died. If you're adding well, people... Well, they say, like, it's it's you're magically bound. 
So, okay, what's it matter? If but, someone wants to participate, wants to get mm-hmm. the chance for the money and the fame and the glory. You're, so if they're not magically bound and they're like, ah, this is this is too much, they can back out and be fine. You're literally adding on odds of kids dying <laughs> the more you put in. Like, they don't want to do that. That's why they don't want... No one wants Harry in. Right. Because they don't want a fourth, especially one that's under the age of 17, <laughs> that has a very limited chance of getting through this thing alive. Well, I mean, that's so, why Moody says, like, someone's hoping, maybe someone's hoping Potter is going to die for it. That's dun, the, dun, dun. Well, that's the most biting, realistic, and honestly, like, silencing mm-hmm. comment that hit the room. And mm-hmm. th- that comment, I think, is the argument. And I think if you're Dumbledore, you would recognize that as being, oh, that's probably what's happening. What's happening. If you're Karkaroff or you're Mad at Maxine, you're like, what are we talking, what? Like, why well, yeah, are we I even mean, going that Maxine's way? Maxine's like, what evidence is there of that? And Karkaroff is like, oh, you've had a lot of thought going into this. But at the same time, you have been paranoid for ages. Like, sorry, I don't take you seriously. Well, Moody goes into a whole thing about, you know, he can submit Harry under a fourth school mm-hmm. and confuse the cup by using the confundus charm. Mm-hmm. And he would be the only option under that fourth school guaranteeing he gets in. Right. So there, there's a way to do it. It has to be a very strong, very precise confundus charm, mm-hmm. but it's doable. And that's when Karkaroff says, like, you've clearly put a lot of thought into this. That's an ingenious plan. But you're also paranoid. <laughs> yeah, he's he's playing a little bit of both sides. He's like, you're known for being a little past your prime. And out there with your thoughts. And, you know, you're you're always looking for an assassination. I think they actually use the word assassination in the book. You're always looking for that assassination. Mm-hmm. And then Moody comes across with this, well, it's my job to think as dark wizards do. As you ought to remember. As you ought to remember. And Dumbledore, speaking of calm Dumbledore, not calmly going, Alistair, stop it. Well, he says it no. warningly. Alistair. Warningly, yeah. That's Alistair. How, that's... That's when, like the same way I do with my kids. When you like get a sharp reproach from Albus Dumbledore, you shut your mouth Well, that's quickly. what I'm saying. Like, that's... His sharp reproach is not necessarily like, Alistair! Like, that kind There's of There's an exclamation point. It's like... <laughs> like, it's... But it's warningly. In my mind, it's more like, Alistair. Like, like a... Like, mind your business. It's, mind your P's and Q's. Like, that kind of thing. It's a notch up. I w- I'm not Dumbledore. taking it as like, Alistair, like anything like that. No, it's, like, it's a notch up though. It's not a calm like, Alistair, please. There's a difference between like, Alistair and being like, Alistair. There's a sharpness to it. There's a sharpness to it. Yeah, I take it in the middle middle ground. The way like when my kids are irritating me, my students. I'm not saying like, Albus is going to literally like body bind him and throw him <laughs> in a corner. I'm saying he's coming across Alistair as like with a sharp reproach of like, Shut I will now. give you that we do see rage from Dumbledore at times in the series. I don't think this is one of the moments where his you don't his think highest level of anger is coming out. You don't think Dumbledore, after the Sorcerer's Stone, and he got through all of those things that his teachers set up, you don't think he's calling a staff meeting being like, what in the world <laughs> did you well, no, people do? Well, he knew it wasn't them. He knows it was Coral. And like, Coral's left the building at the, that point. Or the Chamber of Secrets happens, and Dumbledore's not in his office being like, this freaking kid, I swear, what am I going to do with Who's this kid? Who's he going to yell at? 
Like Slytherin has been McGonagall. Dead. We can bring in McGonagall. What McGonagall, McGonagall do? Slytherin's been dead for ages. It's Slytherin's fault. There's a chain. No, I'm just saying he has his moments where he's not the calmest, and he's like, "This kid, I'm done with this kid." I'm just saying, even if it's not written on the pages, I'm sure he has those moments where he's I, just. Well, like, I, I feel like yeah, you can hear the heat of Dumbledore's warning by saying that, but I don't think it's like it's. It's a warning. It's it's not like I'm drawing a lot of attention to this. Just Alistair, mind your mind yourself. Like you're going too far. Warnings can be. You're, you're towing the line. Oh, believe me, I know. I've used it on my students many, many times. <laughs> it has power behind it, but it's not like I'm screaming at you. This is a little bit more than yelling at your students. This is spoilers. <laughs> this is spoilers. Anyway, no, so they've decided there's <clears throat> nothing else we can do. We have to accept Harry. So, therefore, let's hear the rules of the first task. Just kidding. There are no rules to hear of the first task. You know nothing. Well, no. So, the, the purpose of the first task is courage in the face of the unknown. Yeah, testing Is how they're daring. labeling it. Which I understand. And that's part of the whole setup that Dumbledore gave in the last chapter about, like, what this tournament is testing in you. But we do get to know that it happens in, like, less than a month. Uh, not much less than a month, but just a little like bit. Late November, like, November twenty fourth, yeah. you get to have your wand. You're forbidden for asking for help or accepting help from teachers. Um, also, you don't have to take your finals. Which, once again, when do these children take their finals? We know they took it their first year. Second year, they got canceled because of chamber. Third year, did he? Yeah, he took his finals his third year, but now he doesn't have to take his finals. Like his exams are like everybody else day. does, just not him. I feel like. I don't know. I, it just makes me wonder, like, I mean, we know, like, come their later school years, they have the more important exams that determine their, Well, like, I'll throw this back at you, is these other students that didn't get picked from Bobatons and Durmstrang. Yeah, I wonder what they're doing all year. Are they just going into the you other know? classrooms? I don't know. I, I mean, there's only 20 I wonder that, like, do they get, 18 like, now. do they get special like education from Madame Maxine and Karkaroff, in which case, what kind of education are you getting from Karkaroff? They're headmasters. They're not dumb people. <laughs> no, but I feel like Karkaroff has such little patience for his students. I could totally see him just taking Crumb to the side and teaching him and everyone else is being like, eh, He'd probably be very figure similar. Figure it out yourself. He'd be very similar to Snape, probably. Probably. Lots of favorites. But I feel like Madame Maxine would be really, really good. But it does make me wonder if like, what? I love how you're basing... He just threw his hands up in the air, guys. I love how you're basing one on, like, one impression of the character, and then you're basing one on what exactly? I'm not sure. All her students stood up respectfully for her, and... So she's a dictator at Bogans. No! She just, she just like, is someone to respect, same way Dumbledore is someone to respect. I, I don't know. Whatever. I think she'd be a great teacher. And I feel like it's weird how they don't go back to school. They just hang around and watch, which I get that the headmasters are, you know, they're judges of, of this, but do they really need to hang around Hogwarts all year? I, I don't know. It's always been a weird thing in my mind. Go back to your own schools and come back when you need to judge. So, uh, <laughs> during all of this, uh, the other thing that's noted, obviously there's the Moody Karkaroff exchange, but then there's... Crouch, whenever he's saying something, it seems off. Yeah, he looks off. Yeah. So much so that Dumbledore notes it. With yeah, a, he asks if he's okay. And would you like a drink before you go? And don't you want Would you like to stay here? Yeah. Yeah, he's like, no, no, it's a very busy time. I, I left young weather, weather by. 
who we know is actually Percy Weasley. <laughs> he's yeah. he's in charge, a little over enthusiastic, blah blah blah. But yeah, he he seems off. Even here, he notices a little bit. And then, after all of this gets settled down, and it's determined that Harry will be allowed to continue. Everyone go to bed and, and have your parties, because Gryffindor and Hufflepuff are waiting to celebrate. That's what, yes, that's what Dumbledore says, because Car- uh, Karkaroff and Maxime are out. They're right. out the door quick. Right. And um, while they're alone, Cedric asks Harry, it's like, okay, that's, that's cool and everything, but seriously, how'd you do it? Mm-hmm. And Harry says, I didn't. I seriously didn't. He doesn't believe it. And Cedric's like, okay, all right, sure. Mm-hmm. And then they go off to their separate common rooms. Harry returns to the Gryffindor Tower to quite the rip-roaring, raging party <laughs> that is happening. Which, like, okay, I get the desire of Gryffindor to want to celebrate, because this is something that is very exciting. But they are not reading the room very well with Harry once he walks in. Like, if... If you see him come in and he's like, yeah, I'm a champion, and they said that I get to participate, awesome, let's celebrate, then sure, have a party. But if Harry's coming in and he's like, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, someone else put my name in, I, I don't know how it happened, then clearly he's not excited, he's panicking. Let him let him alone and stop the party. But not only that, you don't really know Harry that well, because yeah. Harry almost never wants all of the attention on him. Yeah. The only time that he's ever okay with it seems to be Quidditch. Right, because it's like, it was a team thing, and like, I'm winning for the glory of Gryffindor. It's something I'm good at. Which and... he's expected to do now, is win for the glory of Gryffindor. Right. I don't know. It, it's just like... Like, can you people, like, they said that it was a whole half an hour before he was finally able to be like, I want to go to bed, I'm tired, I don't want this anymore. He almost ran over the creepies trying to get to his dorm. Yeah, I mean, like, like he even had a a little banner around him, like a cloak that they tied around his neck, and all he wants to do is find Ron and Hermione, and neither are there. Because Ron's up in his common room, chilling on his bed. With a grimace on his face. Yeah, Ron obviously does not believe Harry when he says, I didn't put my name in. Which, Ron has moments. (laughs) And this is obviously one of Ron's not-so-great moments. Right. Because he accuses Harry of, like, going under the cloak or, or doing something like that. And Harry points out, the cloak wouldn't save me from the age line. Right. But... Ron, he's been with Harry. The only time you haven't been conscious with Harry <laughs> is sleeping the last night. Right. There's one real easy way to answer this question. If you know for a fact you've been with that human all the time except for sleeping the night before, mm-hmm. why don't you just go to the fat lady and be like, did anyone leave <laughs> the common room? Oh, unless did, the fat did, lady did you... fell asleep. You'd still, she'd still know if the portrait opened or not. Well, maybe, but unless like, you went off wandering, they open the portrait, they can leave, but then they can't get back in. What if you went... Which would have been the case. But what if you, like, went at, like, five in the morning, put it in, and then went off for a walk or something? Then Rob would know that he wasn't there when he woke up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's one real easy way to put but all of this not, to bed. Like, he's thinking emotionally, not logically. I mean, he's he knows... He knows deep down that Harry didn't do this, but it's the fact that you can win 
all the prize money. You don't have to take your finals. You get to do it. Dumbledore is letting you because you're Dumbledore's favorite. You get all this fame and glory. Like, it's just pure jealousy. I'm surprised Harry held back because he said he didn't say that someone might try to be killing me. Well, he said it might be melodramatic. Right, but I'm surprised Harry held back. He's hot-headed, too. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> not like... and he, His uh, hot-headedness comes out when he's like, you're doing a really good impression of being stupid. Yeah, he comes back a little hotly later, but I'm surprised he held that, that bit back. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Which, I like, I remember the first time reading this being, like, completely devastated and being like, oh, no, they're fighting and this is not how this was supposed to go. But from a writer's standpoint, I mean, like, this works really well because it's a whole other layer that we were... Another punch to your gut impact kind of a thing that now Harry has to deal with. Which, I mean, we've seen before him deal with, like, the whole school's against him. Now it's, okay, the whole school's going to have very, very mm, strong feelings about this, but you don't necessarily have Ron on your side, and that's a scary thing. Yeah, I, I was uh, opposite that. I was somewhat surprised at how cool Angelina Johnson was with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was relatively... She was like, well, if it, at least if, if it wasn't me, it's a Gryffindor. Yeah. Yeah. So you start getting a little bit of house bias mm-hmm. towards it. But yeah. So it was kind of interesting. But uh, we will jump ahead to the spoiler section now <laughs> and talk a little bit more about everything because there's... Uh, quite a bit to talk about in the spoilers, so we'll head right over there. Kill the stab! Alright, we're back with the spoiler section for Chapter 17, The Four Champions. Uh, we're not going to get a whole lot into Moody confronting the Goblet of Fire, because we talked a lot about that in the last chapter's spoiler section, but mm-hmm. I think you had a quote that you wanted to bring up. I mean, I just do love how Crouch literally tells them exactly what he did, and they're like, no one's suspicious because he's the one brought it up. But Crouch says, there are those who will turn innocent occasions to their advantage, which is pretty much like his, like, whole, not mantra, but, like, purpose this entire year, right? Let's take an innocent situation and turn it to my advantage, turn it to Voldemort's advantage. Plan is now in motion. It's a moment of opportunity. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, to achieve your goals, your long-term goals. Which, as you and Anna have already pointed out, I mean, he does so well. I mean, he's already planted the seeds. We know he's already given Neville the book with the um, all the plants. We know he's already starting to put himself at this position of, like, someone you can trust as a professor. Like, there's, there's little tidbits already that he's been doing. So th- that kind of gets into one of the things I want to talk about in the spoiler section. Hmm. So, Moody's already, sorry, Crouch is already setting the stage for helping Harry get through this. Mm-hmm. And I know so many people think Harry Potter is the best wizard of all time. I get that. Because of the help from his friends. He gets a lot of help. <laughs> a lot of help from a lot of people. And let's be real about this moment. Like, he's 14. Right. He's competing against 17-year-olds. This is literally like a freshman in high school being asked to compete at the level of seniors in high school. Yeah. Do you... And that's a good gap because that... Think about your own schooling. Oh, there's a And how you looked up to the seniors. There's a huge mentality between your freshman year and your Massive gap. 
education, emotionally, Physical, mentally, physically. Yeah. There's a huge gap yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Let's not just shuffle that away to the side. No, every senior hates freshmen. They think they're so annoying. Because they are. Um, <laughs> but but every freshman looks up to seniors oh, like, because oh my gosh. They're like adults. They're scary. They're intimidating. Yeah, which is what you got in Harry walking into that room. Right. But Moody's... Sorry, I keep going the non-spoiler route. Crouch <laughs> is setting the stage for helping Harry through this. Helping through others means... Except for the first he's task. very he's very purposefully helping yeah. Harry through this. I mean, yeah, when you think about it, like any task that he's gone through, with the first task, the only way he got past the dragons was because of Crouch saying, "Use a broom." I mean, he didn't like flat out say that, but he was like, "You have a broomstick, right? You, you can learn a cell a spell that can summon said broomstick, he, right?" If he's giving the book to uh, Neville if he's. He encourages Hagrid to tell him about, about the dragons. The dragons. It, it, he encourages Dobby to give him, like, you know, the, the uh, I forget what it's called. His his whole purpose in this book is to get Harry to Voldy at the end. Right. So he's going to do whatever it takes to get right. him there. Right, right. Well, knows there's the, the, I mean, like, look, he had the backup plan, right? Neville was, he thought for sure Harry would ask everybody mm -hmm. and Neville would be like, oh, got to use this right easy but because of harry's pride he had to go through another source dobby and the whole like with the third task he talked about it with harry and hermione and ron was like according to dumbledore you two have been really good with helping through this stuff so you know maybe do some spell so homework my my ultimate point here is one of the rules that were laid down for this is you're not supposed to get you're not supposed to ask and you're not supposed to accept help oh. In this tournament. We just laid out the Crouch-Harry part. Well, Crouch goes about it saying, well, cheating is is the historical part of the Triwizard Tournament. I understand that. <laughs> I understand that. But that's not my point. Uh -huh. So, Karkaroff is pretty assuredly he's hel helping, helping Crumb. He's helping Crumb. And Maxime Same thing. is most probably helping Flora, right? Oh, yeah. Here's my thing. Do you think Sprout is helping Diggory at all? Dumbledore isn't. McGonagall isn't. Snape isn't. Do you think Sprout... Sprout's the only one in his sphere that would even have a chance. No, right? we, we know the only one who does help him is Moody. Because Moody helps him with the egg. Knowing that he would then do the decent thing and help Harry with the egg. When, when the two of them in the third task, right... Right at the end, and they're like, oh, you should go for it. No, oh, you should go for it. He's like, I would have been a goner with the second task. So, well, I got help with that. You helped me with well, the first task. So, well, I got help with so that. So here then. So Diggory has no help really with the first task other than Harry tells Harry him it's tells Dragon. Him. Right. And then Cedric ends up helping Harry out. Mm -hmm. But Diggory still figures out what he's going to do. For the dragon himself, presumably, right? And he still figures out what he's going to do for the lake right. himself. And he still obviously has to get through the maze himself. himself. Right. Right? Whereas others are probably literally giving well, yeah, I'm, I'm straight sure up game plans. They said, like, yeah, you should transfigure yourself or you should do this or that. I'm just wondering, like, Diggory is on his own the most. Is the essential point I'm oh, getting yeah, to. Oh, 100%. Like, everybody else is getting 
fairly specific help. Yeah. And yes, he gets the hint uh, about the egg. And yes, he gets the heads up from Harry about the dragon. Mm -hmm. But then he's on his own to figure out how to deal with those. Yeah. I don't think he's getting help from Sprout. I don't think he's getting help from any of that. Well, I don't even think he'd accept it either. Because he's so, you know... I mean, look at how he played Quidditch against Harry. It was, it should be by the rules, it should be what's fair. And getting help would not be fair. I agree. So, again, we've had many a talk on that Cedric is overrated front. <laughs> and okay, I, now I see where this is going. This, is, yeah, this was my <laughs> point, is I think he's getting through this the most on his own. Uh-huh. And he's having to figure the most of this out. By himself. And how is that not impressive? Well, when I think, like, when I noticed the the rules, right, about accepting help, like, I guess in the past I always thought getting the help in general was like, oh, you you can't do that. But they said just teachers. You can get help from other students. So I could imagine maybe the whole Hufflepuff house being like, if not helping in terms of, like, the way Ron and and Hermione are, maybe being like, you know, just the support side of it. But, yeah. I, I could see I, that going one of two ways. I could either see Cedric flat refusing it for the reasons you just said. Yeah, yeah. Or I could see him going, like, that's adorable, but that's not. That's not going to help. That's not going to help me. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Uh, so there, there's levels to this. And like we said, with as much as Harry has accomplished already, because I know a lot of people are going to say that, it's like, how can you just dismiss Harry in this competition? Because look at what he's already done with the the rooms well, I mean, and Harry the chamber. Harry himself says later on, like in in book five, how so much of what he's done is just luck, luck and, and luck and good, help. Well, the luck, the help, and the good reflexes and Some, guessing correctly at the right moment, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's, I guess, my question now, and you don't have to answer it now because we got a whole bunch of book left, <laughs> but. Do you think Harry, if he was left with the same devices that Cedric had, specifically? Of not getting help? Getting bare minimum help, not like game planning stuff. Okay. It's just him. Does he survive this tournament? Probably not. Like, if if he's just a regular student. Like, we're talking 1836, the Triwizard (laughs) Tournament. Dumbledore is not a thing. You have to face dragons. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I think the dragons alone. I don't think he would have thought about a broomstick. I don't think he would have thought about summoning his firebolt to fly against it. I think maybe he'd think of trying to sprint and dodge towards the eggs, and maybe that would not end well. For it him. would not end well for him. But maybe because he's so tiny compared to the other champions maybe he could be more of a gnat than a fly in terms of the dragon's eyes maybe i don't know but i i, no, I don't think I don't he, know. He people are gonna well. listen to this and be like why is dan being so anti-harry right now <laughs> i'm not i'm just i'm just pointing out that these tasks are very dangerous yeah and these other students are much more acclimated for well, this, that plus like what i'm thinking about right now like okay fluffy was a very dangerous creature Three heads with very sharp teeth. But he saw it, and then they got away. And then they got more information later on of how to get past Fluffy. Here, it's... Even if he had heard that it was dragons ahead of time, 
the amount of preparation that he tried to do, he couldn't find anything to get past it. So if it had been a, like, here's a dragon, taken completely by surprise, okay, now go. Like, what do you do? There's no, like, play magic to put it, or play music to put it to sleep. There's no spell that he knows of yet to do anything to the dragon. It would just be, like, guesswork and hope you run fast enough. Faster than the flames. What's the... In the movie, uh, Moody has this great quote about the other champions. It's like, uh, you know, Crumb is being coached by Karkaroff and they'll stab you in the back whenever they get a chance. Something like that. Flora looks like a pretty flower, but she's... Dangerous. Dangerous and vicious. Mm-hmm. And and Cedric could turn a whistle into a watch and make it sing you the time when he was your age. <laughs> like I don't remember this quote at all. Yeah, he has this moment with Harry where he's like, so what's your plan? Because hmm. all three of these guys already have their plan set. Mm-hmm. Like, what What's? What are you going to do? And he's like, um... Eh? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was like, a, it was that first mentoring scene, I think. Okay, but... so here's my question then for you. Do you think if Hermione were the champion instead of Harry, could she get past the dragon and do the tasks? Knowing her level of magical knowledge. I think if you combine the two, yes. Yeah? Uh, I think if you take Hermione's actual magical knowledge mm-hmm. and combine it with Harry's athletic daringness. Okay. Yes. And then sticking around there for just like, just going for it. If you combine Hermione <laughs> and Harry, <laughs> I, I think you got this. Because you, you need both. And I don't think either one of them have both qualities yeah i'd agree especially not at this particular age yeah uh they might develop those later to an extent but definitely not at this age they definitely don't have both yeah so and we're talking about a 14 year old (laughs) harry potter i get it we're not talking about the or in his like mid 30s or whatever We're, we're talking about a kid right it's a kid right so um as much as some of our guests might think Cedric's overrated. He just knows more. He just well, knows he's more. He's an older student. He's been through those upper level classes. He's been through Lupin and Moody's upper level classes. Yeah. So. And he also does have the advantage coming into this of being what the other kids consider the true champion. And he doesn't have There's his a reason best for that. friend be, well, because like, you know, he's a pretty boy. That's part of it. But he also doesn't have his best friend, one of his best friends now, like, shunning him. He doesn't have the emotional aspects the way Harry now What do you think, have. like, does Flitwick just sit there on this announcement and go, nope, that's right, he should be it. Or, like... On Cedric, you mean? Yeah. He sees Cedric's name come up and he's like, yep, that's the one. <laughs> or, I could see that. Or, you know, McGonagall. I'm sure the teachers else. have their thoughts about who should be picked versus shouldn't be. I mean, if Warrington had come out of the goblet, like, come on. Well, he's an <laughs> impressive 17-year-old as well. Uh-huh. Just maybe not as academically suited as Cedric. Yeah. Which, I don't know. I'm basing that on him, him being an athletic Slytherin. He could be very intelligent. I don't know. Like, we don't get a whole lot of Warrington. But, you know. <laughs> Anyway. Is that going to be the new new thing you go on of defending Warrington? No. <laughs> Not at all. 
We just don't know. Mm. So, anyway. Mm. Uh, I think that's pretty much all we got for, yeah, for the spoiler just, section. Just the, Harry's life is about to be really unpleasant. Which, In a lot of different ways. Yeah, I mean, like, he, he talks later about how the last time he experienced this was, like, Chamber Secrets when everyone thought he was a killer. <laughs> but, like, at least he had Ron and Harry, or Ron and Hermione on his team that time. Now it's going to be... Just Hermione. Now, just Hermione. it's the flip of... Harry and Ron kind of oh, shunning three. Hermione. Yeah, yeah. And now it's Ron shunning Harry and Hermione. It's like weird. It's very balanced. It's like a yeah. weird triangle of them. Which I mean, like, okay, I'm, I'm a child of, I have two siblings. I'm a child. I have two siblings. Um, and that's how we would fight, too. It'd be like in one fight, it would be, you know, me and my sister against my brother. And then another fight, there was me and my brother against my sister. Sometimes it was the two of them against me. And it always, in, in threes, I think, works that way. But it's going to be unpleasant. Well, we should have another episode where we have multiple guests on, and then it could be all of you against me. <laughs> anyway. Everyone will listen to that episode. <laughs> anyway. I will listen repeatedly. On that note, we'll end it here. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to Chapter 17, The Four Champions. Let us... Know what you think about the four champions and about, you know, Harry getting thrown in with the older students. Yeah, who's your favorite champion? That sounds like a poll. We've got another poll here. So, <laughs> anyway. Uh, we will see you next week for Chapter 18. Another exciting one. So, we will see you back then. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts Apod.